Oh, Brandy, you're made by French alcoholics. But we drink you anyway. Okay, that's out of my system. Uh, anyway, we're talking about Brandy today. So, path the sweet thing. And come in and have a drink. God, I need help. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about the about what you drink. I almost said the old one. Crap. I just messed myself up. Uh, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier and concerned for his safety. <laughs> I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. You know, you're not the one I don't know what's going on outside, man, but it doesn't sound good. <laughs> what? Uh, are there gunshots? Not this time, no. Oh. Uh, well, you're fine. But loud thuds <laughs> that I can hear from one room and then outside and then shouting. Hmm. It's okay Maybe. until you hear the sirens. Well. No, that's usually when it's too late. They only come when mm. it's safe. <laughs> fair, fair enough. All right, so how's everybody doing? <laughs> Great. Doing good. Uh, a little sad we don't have any more Game of Thrones to look forward to for like two years. Uh, like a year and a half, right? Uh, not until 2019 will we see the next season. Well, unless it gets hacked and the scripts are put online. <laughs> right. I don't. I wouldn't want to get into that, though. <laughs> Those kids are going to be 40 by the time this show is done. Well, that's the thing. They're pretty much already almost done filming it, I thought. I guess they're just having a real bad time editing. I don't know. Yeah. Because they filmed yeah, it all they, like, back to back. they filmed everything together this last time. Yeah, that's what I thought. They probably got yeah. a lot of footage. Like, all the footage. That's Maybe. what she said. Uh, <laughs> I will say something. So this last, I will. Uh, there's a drinking and Game of Thrones related thing, uh, as I tend to drink uh, some sort of whiskey during it. I may have polished off the last third of a bottle of bourbon watching that episode. Mm. <laughs> I may have passed out on the couch by the time. Like I was like, you know what? Let's just watch this again. It was a good episode. Let's. I remember seeing the 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 intro start. <laughs> Then it's six o'clock in the morning. Wow. I may have a problem, guys. <laughs> as long as you weren't in like a pool of your own vomit, it's okay. Mm. I mean, I hadn't really eaten much that day, so I probably didn't have anything to throw up. <laughs> that ends well. So good yeah. news. <laughs> good choices. So other than bourbon fueled uh, Game of Thrones binging, uh, what do you all <laughs> been drinking? What have you been into? Anything? Uh, well, it's it's Meritson time, so I've just been trying to find. Whatever I can, just put it inside me. Oh, yeah, that's been trying to track down a few things and line up some stuff for our mini Meritzen Bowl because there is no way we can handle another full Meritzen Bowl. Hmm. I mean, there is, but 
Well, just requires. No, there's not another six pack worth of oh, imported. <laughs> uh, I mean, it could go like actual uh, sporting events, like actual football leagues go, and it's just the same ones always competing against each other, but mm-hmm. they don't really change that yeah. much. Just the city that they're in. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, yeah. We got to have a couple of marathons today. It's one we had before, unfortunately, but. Um... Unfortunately, it was October fuel. Yeah, but it was delicious. Granted. Yeah, I was gonna say like you say unfortunately like that's. I say that in that we didn't get to try anything new, but um, mm. we were we got to my parents came up and we went to Finley Market, um, which is like a farmers market slash thing of restaurants and and like street food and all this stuff. It's like a weird thing, but uh, it's the historic city uh, market, like it's meat market, fish market. You can go there and get all kinds of great stuff. It was wonderful. <laughs> Um, we had Eli's barbecue, which is amazing. And, um, yeah, they, they have a beer garden there, um, you know, while during the season and we got some Braxton October fuel. Uh, it was on tap. Normally it's just more line stuff that's on tap there, but Braxton's been tapped all weekend for there. So mm. that was pretty nice. Nice. Um, so we had a lot of good food and, and sweets and things like that today. And then I got to see my mom and dad, which is cool. Um, and, uh, yesterday I was in line over at Listerman again, as I am, uh, <laughs> First Saturday of every month. I was going to say, what, what are you talking about, Chris? You were at Listerman for a thing? Who would have thought? Uh, no, I thought you said you weren't going to do that anymore. I never said that. I said I wasn't going to get said... blackout drunk at it anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Which yeah. was achieved. We, I was able to drive home. Mm, I was in great shape, but I tried some awesome beers while waiting in line. I think we had some uh, Pseudo Sue, had some King Sue, had... Oh, I can't. What all uh, the stuff from Urban Artifact? Everyone was breaking out their bottles yeah, from the weekend prior. Crazy as variants. Yeah, the trail mix one. It was a uh, so it was a blueberry tart with granola and various other nuts and things, and you could just like taste it. It was seriously like putting a handful of trail mix in your mouth. It was delicious. <laughs> yeah, they had a, they had a crazy release with all these tart variants, and uh, we have stored away a blueberry pie. And then the um, tiramisu. And uh, roasted Which shiitake actually... mushroom sour beer. Right, right. Well, that sounds good. But what I actually want is an actual uh, blueberry pie right now. Right, right. Mm, yes. I, we've had so many sweet. We got the big the bag of waffles from Taste of Belgium. Because yeah. I wanted Dad to try them. So, like, now they're just here. Big bag of waffles. And then, like, um, the fudge was nuts. Uh, mm. Banana cream pie fudge. Waffles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It seems like a lot of sweetness. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It sounds like if you gave it to some of our friends, you would just... <laughs> we would kill them. You would kill them. Yeah. Their pancreas would just rip, jump out of them and just I'm telling, strangle them Like This is where my sweet tooth comes from, both of my parents. Mom was like, oh, let's go get this. Oh, let's go get... And I was like, what is wrong? What, like, why are we doing this? And they're just like, oh, we Chris, got... what do you want? And I'm like, I had like two plates of stuff from the barbecue place. I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> We got dad to try baklava for the first time from this oh. this gyro place that had it. And um, yeah, that was amazing. Never know whether it's baklava or baklava or some other pronunciation that I don't. Oh, good point. I always say baklava. It's probably wrong. That's why I've always said it, but I'm hmm. not Greek, so I don't know. Right. Just like the gyro thing. Casey, what have you been up to? You've been silent. <laughs> not a whole lot. No, we've been trying to uh, re-box train our cats. 
and that's been interesting. <laughs> they uh, we switched to, from the like you know the traditional litter boxes to a like a robotic flushes itself litter box, and they are not having it. Oh, oh, okay. When you said flush, I was like, you put your cats on the toilet? (laughs) I could see see Casey toilet training the cats. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's nice because, like, in, like, three months, we'll have saved more than what the litter in three months would, you know, it costs, the break-even's about three months Hmm. if they use it. Um, And the idea is they get in there it senses that they came and used the litter box and then like seven minutes later it's supposed to flush it and wash off the litter and and you know everything's all nice and clean for the next cat to come along i can i can see cats using the litter box the same way that they say you're supposed to use the toilet in south park you know where you you turn you face the (laughs) the flusher like the cat's just sitting on there have a little bit of (laughs) a little toy up there they you know pass around between their hands until it's time to (laughs) i wish so uh, we we fought a little bit over the past couple couple weeks, and uh, so now we've given them back one of their old litter boxes, so, <laughs> so that they, they can pooping everywhere. Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. So that they uh, they can have that until we get them we get back from vacation and move them over. Which right now vacation's even kind of up in the air because I just learned about Hurricane Irma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh God, that is going like right where you're. It's supposed to, like, if all the projections, like, keep going the straight line that it's going in right now, um, my plane lands in Miami about the same time that the hurricane's supposed to land in Miami. Oh, good. So, Mm. um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I may be casting from somewhere halfway down. Oh, gosh. Probably from, like, Atlanta. Uh, That's my idea, because, like, if we have to, we can go to Atlanta and then drive from there, or even Orlando. We could probably drive down from Orlando and be fine um, if we wait for it to pass and the cruise ship delays a day or something. So we'll see. Yeah, you can get some awesome perks if they have to delay the cruise by like a day. Mm. Not not as much as you would think. Um, cruise ships are kind of notorious for giving you the shaft on weather delays, like 100 bucks or something for a whole day off and, and you don't get to go to your stuff. Um, so I don't know. It's It's weird. I'm just picturing like you standing on the 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 you know the deck of a ship while the hurricane's coming through, just going, "Gas, you merciful <laughs> Poseidon." That's that's about how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> I need me some cavassier. Oh yeah, well let's go ahead and move into some announcements then. Right, so um, we did want to let everybody know, uh, and and you can find this on the website, and then uh, soon within the next uh, week or so, we'll be updating the schedule again on the on the website, but. So our next video episode will be Sunday, September 10th at 6 p.m. Eastern, and that is going to cover the 2017 um, Samuel Adams Beers of Fall pack. And we are going to have oh, a special guest. Oh, we weren't guest. supposed to just buy a big pack of Oktoberfest? <laughs> right, I mean, right. <laughs> that could work. I mean, it, it is in there. At least you'll have one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, but we were going to have a special guest, Stephanie Cafferty, on with us, um, because Casey will not be in that one also. Um, so you can find that video stream. And we need a quorum. Yes, we have to. Now we, we just have to have four all the time. Um, you can find the video stream on diamondclub.tv, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, just look for Have a Drink Show. Um, then the next audio episode after that is going to be posted around September 18th, and that is going to be our mini Merzen Bowl episode um, to be recorded Oktoberfest weekend. So Six Merzens in... Six? Four? 
Uh, four new ones up against our reigning champs from last year. So yeah, six, yeah, yeah. Six Meritans enter. One Meritans leaves. Actually, none leave except like through the toilet. Because we'll all Meritans leave after <laughs> processing past the kidneys. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah, there you go. All right. I think that's it for announcements, as far as I know. So. Oh yeah. All right. Well, uh, news. <laughs> all right. Uh. All right, uh, we have a nice fun story here I just came across this morning, so I was like, ah, let's replace what we were going to talk about with a nice feel-goody one. Uh, good. Just in, feel good. Just in time for Oktoberfest, Adidas is releasing beer-repellent sneakers. I will buy these right now. I actually like the look of these. They are amazing. They're like even beer-colored, like accents on them, and they say Prost. They say Prost. Yes. So... <laughs> If you're anything like me, you're eagerly anticipating the coming of Oktoberfest, a time when it's basically a law that you must have <laughs> a cold one with the boys. And it says fact-checking. Fact-checking pending. I mean, I mean, it's our high holy days. <laughs> yes. For the next couple of months, gallons upon gallons of the finest beers will be poured down our gullies in celebration of those same beers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there will be drunk nights followed by hellacious mornings after only to potentially do it again the next night. Brace yourselves, gents. For the time of time, yeah, from time to time, those fine brewskis miss our mouths. And if you go with me out to uh, Hoffer House, I like to slam leaders around <laughs> in uh, celebration. So, yeah, beer goes everywhere. Uh, some It misses our mouths and finds its way toward the ground. Our feet... It's a tragic and unfortunate event, but it does happen, and sometimes we might be wearing a dope pair of shoes <laughs> that we bring out of the boxes only for special occasions. Once the, only the beer thing I bring out for Oktoberfest is later hosen. Exactly. It's <laughs> not true. Once the beer not hits them, it's yep. a horrific moment and a potential ruining of the night. Uh, luckily, Adidas knows no, no, just, just my, my my shoes are going to smell like beer for a while and probably vomit. <laughs> Luckily, Adidas knows the struggle and came up with a genius idea. Yeah, a little uh, video there. Expletive, Adidas. Take all my money. <laughs> the German shoe company is set to release. I've never put two and two together. They're actually German. Oh, makes oh. even more sense. <laughs> the German shoe company is set to release the Munich Oktoberfest on September second, and it's the kind of shoe that comes with the style and a strong resistance to spilled beer. According to the video, which hopefully we'll have linked in our notes, uh, the sneakers are made from the finest leather DPBR coating, which you get on, like, everything now. I mean, that's just how it works. It stands for Durable Puke and Beer Repellent. <laughs> Shit. That's right. <laughs> Not only does it uh, remain undamaged from spilled drinks, but also vomit. I like that they had to include that. For all of you who can't handle your expletive. Poop. Yes. <laughs> In addition to the DPBR, there's rich embroidery to match your lederhosen. Uh, if you cop these joints from 43 Einhelb, you'll also get a custom beer mug. And who doesn't need more beer mugs? Not We don't, we don't actually. <laughs> but it is a nice uh, giant German leader, so it is. Yeah. Goes good with the shoes. But it don't does. worry. Don't worry, if you get these, you can still enjoy everything else Oktoberfest has to offer. Good luck keeping those Jordans clean, though. I I really <laughs> yeah. like the look of these shoes, aside from the lack of arch support. I have uh, flat feet, so... I mean, that's what... I'm not a fan of that that's part. That's what inserts are for. True, true. 
I really. <sighs> oh, no, never mind. I'm looking at the video right now, and I'm just like, oh, damn it. I want how to much try are to look they? How much they're priced? And you know what? I'm not spending that much on shoes. How oh, much I bet are they're they? like a thousand dollars. Two hundred and seven dollars. That's what it's saying, at least on the ads part of Google. As soon as I look over, I'm like, hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm not throwing that down for shoes. Like, if these were, you know, I would spend a little more for, for, for these shoes. I would not spend this much more. Mm-mm. I mean, huh. granted, some shoes do cost a bit of money like that, but, yeah, I don't know about that. They look good, not that good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for that amount of money, I could get an awesome pair of hiking boots, so. Mm. Uh, all right. Uh, Casey, why don't you take us with the next one? Yeah, so... Thank you, Chris. Right up my alley here. Um, we are going over some homebrew survey results from um, a survey done by, uh, well, it's published on Brewlosophy. And so um, with this, uh, it comes back from May of this year, um, and they got 2,570 people to uh, complete the survey which has uh, demographic information as well as information on how people brew. So, of course, the, the major readership and the major um, group of folks that are listening and, and reading in on Brewlosophy is from the U.S. So 71% of, of the respondents were from the U.S., with the remaining being from various other countries, Canada, United Kingdom, and Australia taking the next spots. Um, with that, I mean, never mind. I thought I saw one of those that says like, "Isn't Brazil cracking out a whole lot?" Brazil is is got has a pretty good uh, number there, but um, out of the remaining, that's, that's counting that's that's counting all the others out. Okay, never mind. Yep, yep. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yep. <laughs> um, so with all that, we've got uh, the majority of brewers. They're coming in at between 30 and 39 years of age. No, um, I need to meet this younger than 18-year-old brewer. Yeah, right? yeah there's one. Like f- some five-year-old brewing his own beer? They're, they're yeah. in your own beer. Brewing his dad's beer. He, they're, you know, they're I'm in sure Germany he doesn't drink somewhere. it or she doesn't drink oh, it. Oh, no. Well, never. I, I can say he because that's the next thing. Yeah. Um, the vast majority of those that brew are male. And by vast majority, I mean 99% yeah. of those Ladies. that brew that are male. Step up your brewing. Um, there are actually some very vocal I, I, communities of uh, women-only brewers, like whole breweries <laughs> that only do women. You know, at least we do have yeah. female CEOs of some of these breweries, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. So no, that, count, and, that counts I, for something. I, I legitimately want to see more female brewers, female home brewers. Yeah. No, and there are, there are more than 26 out there, but the survey right, um, right. Shows, shows that number. Um, the vast majority also 80 percent are married or in a domestic partnership why does that i would have That's thought the statistic. number that are divorced would have been higher than the ones that are <laughs> yep give it a few years for things to kind of start tumbling down and as some breweries start closing there might be more divorces mm, fair enough large percentage of the um group that actually brew have professions in fields that are highly technical so engineering, computer science, physical and biological science, health and human services, um, that makes up probably close to 40, 45% of the total. That just makes sense. It's like 2% is in the military. I just like to imagine it's people who are like 
half running their own stills and the other half rowing their own their own homebrews. Like, no. Make a mo. No, no, just admit it. You're just picturing MASH. <laughs> I'm just picturing MASH. <laughs> well, and then um, what, what I get in my head is the thing from the A-Team movie where he's making stuff like burgers with like the antifreeze. Oh, the special sauce, yeah, the which special is just put <laughs> antifreeze on it. For some oh. reason, like I just picture like weird stuff like that instead. I don't know why. I'll pass this time. I got a little temporary Bell, Bell's palsy last time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Incomes, it's a better movie than than, than it should be. <laughs> incomes are pretty varied. It looks like amongst the group, it's pretty well spread out. With uh, with I don't know, not too many unemployed brewers. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah, well, again, give it a couple years. And... Yeah. <laughs> Depends on how they worded the question. Have you homebrewed in the past year? Or are you currently unemployed? <laughs> uh, maybe it took a little too much time out of their work day. Uh, most of your homebrewers own their own place. Um, you've got a few that are like yes, 70% I... are own their own house. <laughs> the. The uh, the eight of the sample size they're the doing it in their dormitory. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting the ones the condos. Yeah. Apartment well, apartment or condo I guess but yeah, yeah. you don't see a lot of. It's surprising to ones. see such a high number there yeah because that's what's kept me from it. Technically, I think I would be a in the apartment or comp. I mean, I'm a townhouse so. But you rent. Yeah, that's that's what it means, right? Right. So. Well, they have they have apartment condo. And then you have uh, rental, rental apartment condo an owner, and then you have house yep. rental and house mm. owner. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Huh. I wonder what the other is. Uh, uh, people in uh, Hoovervilles. Tiny <laughs> homes. Man down by the river. Man <laughs> down by the river. People who just Tra- live. In- well, I guess trailers aren't on that technically. Hmm. Mm. So that would be the other. And maybe. anything mobile, essentially. Yeah, mobile homes. Meth labs. Which it could be. <laughs> right. Uh, it could be trailers, or it could be also the the tiny homes, um, <laughs> or um, you know something that doesn't stay put. Um, the vast majority, fifty-seven point five percent of brewers report having no hu- or, or humanism or atheism or agnosticism as their religion. Um, the second thought, largest uh, group being Protestant and Catholic. I would have thought the Catholic would be roughly, higher. Roughly neck and neck. Yeah. yeah. I still think it's really like I feel like that's spread. close enough, Brittany, within the, the for that sample size to be within like margins of error. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is it's like to, they were like natural spiritualisms even included with Native American and paganism. Like it's, mm-hmm. they were they were pretty I thorough that on this. Have been higher. I would have thought they'd been making more of their stuff. Yeah, yeah, actually. Well, I mean, there's also like fewer of them, just period. Yeah, so. that's. Yeah, that may be an overrepresented one percent. Maybe yeah. overrepresentative of the. Oh, that actually that that would make more sense for the Catholic Protestant thing because there's a much larger percentage of Protestant than yeah. there are. Yeah. Catholic, hmm. but many Protestant uh, denominations have hangouts. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, the one below that, Mormons and Muslims. We have a single Muslim that brews that reported in this <laughs> yeah. this data, and two Mormons that brew. <laughs> they don't tell that to the quorum of thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So for the men only, they asked this question. I'm sure you could get this some answers on both amazing. sides. Um, but what is your facial hair status? And a little over 40, let's see, uh, 45%, 46% have long beard or have beards. Have facial hair at all. Yep. Yep. Well, have beards. And then you've got mustache and goatee oh, that are separate yeah. that come in with 8.3 for goatee and 3.5 for mustaches. Yeah, when but... you look at it like that, because I'm like, I refuse to believe these numbers that there are that many people that don't have beards. Only 7.5% that are brewing. That are brewing. 7.5% in the no, long No, just in beard. general, Bob. Like, they're a crime against the human race, and they should exactly. have Exactly. <laughs> these 1,063 men need to be taken out back. <laughs> So you're and <laughs> be given sure. some like hair growth stuff for their face. Chia all over there the place. Just... So your average modern home brewer is a white married male in his thirties with a pretty good amount of disposable income and some form of facial hair. Um, with <laughs> yeah, no... no, that that pretty That's much accurate. nailed exactly what I thought it was. <laughs> yep. I feel no profile. strong religious convictions. I feel pro. You don't brew though. I would. <laughs> Because if the data shows if you rent, you're less likely to brew. Now, the average home brewer has been brewing at least uh, between one and six years is, is pretty much the, the vast majority come in there. Um, they learn to homebrew through online resources, blogs, forums, message boards, 56% did. Although podcasts is in there, 6.4%. Hopefully we can, we can influence that number a little bit. Yeah. Come on, guys. Um, most people started out with extract only or partial boil, um, as in 26%. And then some started out with um, extract per plus steeping grains with a partial boil or extract plus steeping grains with full boil. Surprising number starting out at all grain. Yeah. Uh, 23%. Yeah, 23% started in all grain. And that probably goes back to um, – the, the ones that learned it from a buddy and, and you know, that's how they, hmm. they brewed on somebody else's equipment and started yeah. out that way. Hmm. Um, 94% currently say they use all grain in this survey. That's, that's a pretty big number for what I've seen. Um, that, that is actually much higher than what I would expect. I was going to say, do you think numbers. people are not willing to admit? Yeah. I think that's a problem you have with most surveys, though. Um, either that, or the way this information, or the, the the group that they sent this survey to, are heavy readers of and heavy supporters of philosophy, and therefore they are right. probably heavily on the all grain side, anyways. Hmm. Um, but I think that number is really high. It's not representative of the entire um, demographic. I think. Um, with that, for those that do all grain, they do have brew in a bag in there. Um, 31% use brew in a bag method. Um, the vast majority, 50 over half, um, set up their brewing outdoors using propane. Um, propane accessories. Yep. I tell you. Very. <laughs> I think that one's the most fascinating to me. I don't know why though. Uh, some like nearly 18% brew indoors on the kitchen stove. And then um, uh, another 18.3% come in with uh, brewing indoors using an electric rig. That takes a lot. Like that's a lot of investment to make because you, you, you've got to bring in from pretty much 
240 volt and and come in it, it, it takes a lot of stuff to build that in on that one it's like the the natural gas and the electric rig or you know like the obviously the lower numbers but like there's a a good there's no one that's like heavily one way versus another like that i think maybe that's why i find that question so much more fascinating mm. like how they're I, brewing is is just across the board like different I'm, all I'm good thinking about now is is what Hank Hill would brew. <laughs> you know, why mm. doesn't he brew his own beer at that show? Like why? Because, because no one Alamo has told makes him all the beer he would need. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. No one's yeah. no one's told him the glories of brewing of propane. And propane. <laughs> if he knew that you could brew beer using propane, uh, you know, Hank Hill would that's a whole other episode. Yeah. A twinkle in his eye. I tell you. <laughs> the um. 54% of brewers will brew one time or less per month, um, but 43% are two to four times per month. So there's a pretty good amount of, of brewers that are brewing between one and four times per month, uh, which is a lot. Uh, typical batch size is going to be 70, 72% of the time, five gallons. Um, and they'll usually do one batch with one fermentation per day, per brew day. That's 82%. Um, on an annual average, the average brewer is coming in saying that they brew between five and a hundred gallons per year. Um, that's about two thirds make up that much. Uh, and then there's a few that, that go up to that 200 plus gallons per year. Technically that's, that's a legal territory, 5.4% um, at that rate. How do you typically package your homebrew? So bottling comes in at 30%, kegging with forced carbonation at 68%, and priming sugar in the keg is 1.6. Those people are just wow. aching to, to create more work. It's a really small no Like, that's an overwhelming number spread there. Well, and they say here that 68% of home brewers uh, reported kegging their beer, an increase of 16% from 2015. Wow. Yeah, some of the the companies that make kegs have have it used to be really hard to get them because you had to get these kegs that were post. Um, it, it's kind of switched. It was really easy because soda companies would get rid of their kegs, and so you could go and get them for real cheap. And then it got really hard, and then these companies started coming in and making kegs, new kegs, and started charging a little bit less for them. And so uh, it's it's gotten a little bit more readily available i guess um most people shop for their homebrew ingredients at a local home brew store and then if that homebrew store doesn't have an item um some of them will go in and purchase it online as well on average the home brewer is spending between 50 and 100 dollars per month um, on brew equipment the Preferred online brewing communities look to be uh, Reddit and homebrewtalk.com. The to, to do how much of your homebrew do you consume? Uh, <laughs> there are days when I drink no homebrew. Fifty-six percent. I'm glad that there's that category um, because that could be that could be interesting. Then how there's many, the ones that say one to two beers a day. How many people are breaking the cardinal rule? Don't smoke your own supply. <laughs> don't don't get into your own supply. You find yourself in a, with a mountain of brewed beer, just snorting it all down. Then, then the then the the, the rival gangs come in and try to take you down, and you have to 
fend him off with a, with a street sweeper shotgun or something. <laughs> grenade launcher. Uh, really grenade <laughs> The next question I found really interesting was what which do you prefer, homebrew made by you or others or commercial beer? Fifty-five only fifty-five percent said that they preferred homebrew, but thirty-seven percent had no preference. Thought hmm. that was interesting. The vast majority, I say that a lot, but it, it really is. It's, it's, I guess it's the majority are brewing American Pellels, IPAs, and uh, double IPAs, 58.9%. Mm. That's the style they brew most often. Second style is coming in with Belgians, whether that be intentional or not, and then <laughs> amber uh, brown ales. What percentage of your beers geared towards sour beers? I don't make sour wild beers comes in at 68.7%. <laughs> No, wow. at least. Yeah. Um, only 75% do, uh, sorry, only 0.4% do 75% of their beers or more as sours. Wow. Um, very, so lagers, this is another one that I'm actually not surprised that lagers are, I am surprised actually that uh -oh. lagers comes in at a lower percentage of people making lagers than, um, the percentage making sour beers because lagers are actually much more difficult to make. I was going to say, aren't, lagers are trickier, right? Yeah. Hmm. So 41% don't make lagers versus 68% don't make sour beers. Which would also um, explain that IPA number. You know? Yeah. Hmm. Well, ales are the easier thing to make, I believe. It's... Well, so what's up with the Belgian thing then? Belgian beers? Yeah. <laughs> The they're actually easier to make than um, lagers or L's because they can be fermented a little bit warmer. Mm. So if your house averages about seventy two degrees, then you can a Belgian L is perfectly fine at seventy two. Whereas like a an IPA or an American Pale L would be nicer around sixty five to sixty eight. Mm. Okay. So if you got a cold room in your house that the the air kind of blows a little heavier and you can close the door, it's good to ferment in that room. Otherwise, Belgian styles work pretty much anywhere with regular air conditioning. Um, what other alcoholic beverages do you make? Uh, the other on this one I like because I, I want to think it's it's that's a little home good old probably. boys. It's yep. some good old boys never mean no harm. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, you got fifty four percent that make cider. Um, uh, for thirty percent make wine. Thirty one percent make mead. You have some sake makers. That's that's uh, interesting. Yeah, 27. Not a lot, but that's because sake sake is labor intensive. But and note is. the number of for kombucha is higher than sake. It is. So there are quite um, a bit. Where was it? We saw kombucha brew kits recently. Oh, or I've gosh, seen them. I out. don't remember. Like, they're, yeah, they're really? a thing. Yeah, being Dude, commercially sold, just we, like brew your own kombucha. We totally need to do a kombucha episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're covering everything else. We may as well. <laughs> Just like that, it's it's always like Brittany and Brittany and Casey. Yeah, sure. Uh... <laughs> it ferments. We can talk about it. Of course, I don't always <laughs> drink to style. I, I, no, even if it doesn't ferment, because hot cocoa. <laughs> the rest of these questions here um, come in at um, with really kind of questions about that get to the heart of what brewers kind of fight over all the time uh, things like you know for first word hopping or mm. um whether you transfer to a secondary fermenter the kind of water being used <laughs> yeah um do you make any water adjustments that that kind of stuff 
Um, <laughs> will boiling for less than 60 minutes lead to DMS off flavors? That's that's one of the big mm. questions that I mean they're asking an opinion, but there's there's data to support the actual facts. So I think it's interesting to kind of look at that. Um, the last question on here I really actually like. It's macro beer is evil BS and should be avoided at all costs. <laughs> wow. Agree, that's disagree, or I don't and know. And it's not really strongly one way or the other. Oh, yeah. No. That kind is... of split. 41% of the people here said that uh, it should be avoided pretty much at all costs. Uh, but then I want to go up to the... Um, Percentage of people that okay. don't drink their own stuff. There are uh, the ones that drink commercial beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it would it would make sense about half half of those. No. Yeah, it would make sense. It would be about half of the ones that there are days when I drink no commercial beer say that. Um, Man, I give them credit for that. Like, if I'm taking some of these surveys sometimes, and just depending, I mean, there seems to be quite a few questions on this. I swear to God, like I'm like. What did I answer for that one? Because this is very similarly worded. <laughs> well, that's how they that's they, they try to do that to trick you so you don't. I hate that crap. I mean, I love surveys, which is really weird. But like, I which, <laughs> that like, in and of itself is yes, really yeah, weird. I just, just I just love answering the questions, and sometimes about myself because I guess I'm a narcissist. But either way, um, like I can never remember what I put for the last one, and so like the fact that the numbers kind of match up, I'm just like, good job. <laughs> can. Can we also talk about some of the shirts that they're trying to sell us? Because uh, I like IPA oh, is okay. my DNA. That's Everybody else neat. sees that too? Okay, good. My kind of science, and it's got the uh, snifter in the middle, and it's like uh, hop, grain at the water. top, and then water and That's hops. Amazing. and yeah. Warning. Although I really like the, the little like heartbeat guy with the hop in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I wonder right. if they can actually detect that in my heart palpitations. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that how it comes across on an EKG? <laughs> I must know go about to the Amazon site. All right. So I love going, like, looking at this kind of data. Like, oh, when you sent this, yeah. it was, like, just this massive data dump. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> oh. No, I, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff in here. I, I was excited to get to look through it. Although I haven't. I honestly was seeing this for the first time today because I've been. <laughs> Slacker. Damn it. So yeah, um, we'll have to shoot this link out. I might actually tweet it out. Oh, everything. and they have a Patreon too. Man, Patreon is is making some money. It's where to go. All right, <laughs> All right guys. Uh, our last story is one hitting a little close to home, and our source was the Lexington Herald Leader, what? which where, everyone on where here is. The, where are they held at? Uh, <laughs> which newspaper is this? <laughs> you've you've never heard of this paper. There, there's no way. No. It's <laughs> okay. Uh, Buffalo Trace unearths Bourbon Pompeii of 1873 distillery on the Kentucky River. See, Bourbon Pompeii makes me think that they found bourbon in the the, the yeah. remains of Pompeii. So I was like, no, that's not possible <laughs> I, because because Kentucky. It's a weirdly worded title. Like I feel like somebody was really reaching with Look, this the one. The Lexington Leader is no New York Times. Yeah. Um, so this whole thing gets really painted and romanticized. You're like bourbon archaeologist, and <laughs> it's like no, that is not a thing. He's just an archeologist that working. Be in a bourbon, bourbon archaeologist though, like just if there was, that would be my me. Belly. If yeah, if that was such a thing, he would have had that job ages ago. <laughs> Believe me. So, uh, out of Frankfurt, uh, another place we all know, 
Buffalo Trace Distillery, another place we know, has unearthed the foundations of a distillery from 1873 inside one of the oldest buildings on the Franklin County site. The discoveries came as Buffalo Trace prepared to renovate a building long used for storage along the Kentucky River. The plan, according to spokeswoman Amy Presky, was to turn the two-floor building into event and convention space. Before work could begin, she said the distillery knew it had to shore up the building because the river-facing wall had separated a few inches from the structure. We didn't want it to slide off into the river, she said. No, you don't. No, no not at all. That meant workers had to dig into the floor, and that's where the amazing finds began. You'll be surprised what they found next. Oh, <laughs> yeah, God, if yes. This, this is a robust feed article. In April, they had uncovered brick pillars and remnants of walls. In June, even more exciting, they found what they thought might have been a cistern. Further digging peeled back more of the first floor to reveal a row of brick structures. Early on, uh, the distillery called in Louisville historian Carolyn Brooks and bourbon archaeologist, I guess he, he's named himself that, Sure. Uh, Nicholas Laraquente? Laraquente. Sure. To tell them exactly what they had. You can call yourself whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Amazingly, the brick structures turned out to be virtually intact 11,000 gallon fermenting tanks built by the legendary uh, Cole E.H. Taylor. Colonel. Colonel. Yeah. My bad. (laughs) Colonel E.H. Taylor. Oh, yeah. Because that's inscribed on everything on the property. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an idiot. You thought he also invented coleslaw? Possibly. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, it's literally on everything <laughs> there. And now I feel like an idiot. All right. Anyway. Sorry. Uh, we, all, we all mess up those words. It doesn't really matter. For one of the versions of his OFC distillery, which is also inscribed on everything on the property, because uh, that was the original distillery there, a showplace of bourbon making celebrated by Taylor in a booklet of lithographs as the most complete and perfect in America. Lerakinte, who said... <laughs> that's our saying it That's now. how you have to say it, Lerakinte. Lerakinte. Who said he's giddy over the finds, said that the tanks are almost certainly the only ones of their kind in existence at any Kentucky distillery. Finding intact remains is very rare, he said, in part because distilleries often were destroyed by fire. Yeah, it's yeah kind that of, makes sense. At <laughs> Buffalo Trace, they have this big scroll on the wall of all the, it's every bourbon distillery that's ever existed. And you look at it, and there's a small percentage, well, it's like what? I would say like 30% that were gone, vanished to prohibition, yeah. uh, closed due to prohibition and never reopened. Never and then the number. overwhelming majority were destroyed by fire. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Just like to imagine, it's like they have a sign there, days since brewery, uh, since distillery caught on fire. And it's <laughs> And then Schwood comes and the whole place burns down. <laughs> it just it burns down and it sets his hands on fire. Yeah. Did you watch the new modern rock? I did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was just looking at it and I looked at Brittany and I was like, man, he's doing that horribly. He's going to cut it as soon as it's out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> All right. Uh, the first relatively simple OFC distillery built on the site by Taylor in 1869 was torn down in 1873 and rebuilt bigger and better. The second Stronger OF- than it was before. <laughs> but they didn't really have the money. Uh, the second OFC was destroyed by fire caused by lightning in 1882. Huh. According to the historical records, uh, Larakinte said Taylor built 
it built it in less than a year. Wow, that was pretty much a rush. And that rush might have led to some of the preservation of the structures they found. Instead of tearing down everything and starting over, Taylor rebuilt on top. He uh, did the Troy method. Exactly. You don't, like us, we ain't got time to rebuild. Just put a put a board over everything and just start a new city. Start on the old foundations. Let's just go. That's a really long article. By Straight way. pieces of the original walls have been found inside the dig, he said. Uh, when Taylor rebuilt in 1882, his goal was to make something that would perfect the art of bourbon making. And he also clearly envisioned showing off this perfection to the world. The fermenting room of the OFC distillery is believed to be the handsomest and best in America. I'm just picturing like a uh, a distillery now with like a uh, handlebar mustache and a smoking jacket. Yeah, um, this is an incredibly long article. Yeah. I did not realize I'm going to start this. Basically, like, as if we needed another reason to go to Buffalo Trace again. I mean, like. <laughs> no, I'm only upset because we were there last month before this was open. I know. And I'm like, no! We were now there I, have for, to, for I have to go back. I wish this Fine. was video just so I could show the picture. Like, the picture is really cool, actually. Like just showing all this stuff. No, there's actually uh, you can go to their website and they have a 3D tour. You can look at the place what? and go through it. Yeah. Uh, In the future, select visitors might be able to tour this unique piece of whiskey history. This will be an indoor, quote, bourbon Pompeii with catwalks over the ruins. They've already got I it. Like, it's, so want to do that. It's so open badly. as such. You can look at the 3D tour with the catwalks built over it. I'm saying like like an actual, you get to walk physically in there maybe sometime oh, if you yeah. pay enough. But uh, it's not, yeah. it, uh, they're really romanticizing it with the bourbon Pompeii. And it's really, you're just walking, looking at big rectangles dug in the ground. Yep. There aren't like remain. There aren't like people down in there. There aren't like old artifacts. <laughs> this no. is only exciting if you're us. It, yeah. It's not the. Uh, oh God. What's really, the, it's only exciting if you're listening to this. It's not the the terracotta soldiers. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. There aren't like drunk hillbilly statues down in yeah. there holding barrels. Oh my above God! Their heads. If I could go back in Can time. Can you stand <laughs> it though? If I could go back in time. I'd make a terracotta army of drunk hillbillies and just. <laughs> Jesus. I'm, I'm just on their website now with people. just to find this. And I don't know. It might not be on their website. They, Where is it? They put put it out on social media because oh. they had a big opening party for it, like a big uh, snooty them. gala. I want to go. As if, like, okay, honestly, no matter where you're from, Buffalo Trace is such a good um, distillery to tour. I, Easy the, one to miss, too. Yeah, because they're not on the trail. Because it's not on the trail, yeah. But, like, it's it, the place is gorgeous. They make really good bourbon, um, and and not only just their own stuff, but like the Pappy Van Winkle, obviously, but then plus the um, the bourbon cream and then the the root beer stuff, and it's it's all free tours. Like, why are you not going? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, this will probably be the only paid tour they offer. All most of their tours require uh, reservation, Whatever. but they are free as opposed to most distilleries require you pay. Yeah, no, like the difference between uh, again, we've only done the two. So, like, the difference between this and Woodford, though, is huge. Like, it, Woodford is very crazy, and, or, like, people have headsets on. And, like, it's just, the, like, it's, it's very organized. It's very, like, like, a Disney experience yeah. where someone jumps on a bus and, like, Hi, my name is such and such, and I'll be taking you yeah. on your tour through blah, blah, blah. And then at Buffalo Trace, they're like, all right, you guys ready to get on the floor? Yeah. Let's, let's do get, this. Let's get in some barrels. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a different atmosphere. Um, <laughs> we're not, gonna put you inside this barrel, seal it up, and then roll you out. It's going to be great. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah, we're going to take you in this I'm building where half of the building collapsed and half the employees were 
killed like 200 years ago, and we're going to shut out the lights and everyone just be quiet and listen for the ghosts. Oh, we did the ghost tour. That's what they did. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember <laughs> that. Like, I didn't tour. go to that tour at all. Listen for the, listen for the ghosts. <laughs> Hear nothing? Because ghosts don't exist. Moving on. Next part of the tour. <laughs> ghosts but, don't exist except for really, our spirits. But that's, the only spirit I believe in is <laughs> alcohol. It's bourbon. Spirit. The spirit um, I believe in. Well, no trace bourbon. <laughs> okay, at the same time, that the ghost tour was actually really fun. Except for the ghost of uh, Pappy. Pappy roams the halls. <laughs> Wailing something awful. Pappy roams these halls saying, I'm drunk. <laughs> I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. <laughs> I'm too drunk to hunt. You go do it. <laughs> Try our bourbon balls. Um, Visit the gift shop. Yeah, um, but no. Seriously though, like it's it's they so worth going. Make, make audio tracks for their ghost tour. <laughs> Obviously, like they're missing out. Um, but no, it's a really good place to go tour, and like this is just one more reason to go. That reminds honestly. me. I, Talking to someone earlier this week, I had to explain to them when they're where we're from, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Hatfield McCoy," and then the guy tried to like go off on this big crush about, "Oh well, I'm some somewhat of an amateur historian about the Hatfields and McCoys." Uh, I'm related to them, and we actually traced it back. So shut up. <laughs> but no, I just had to like blow up on him a little bit about it, and I was like, "Nobody cares." I was like, that was proven. The History Channel gave it its 20 minutes of fame, and nobody cares. No, it, it's definitely dumb. I was just like. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm like, oh, yay. We're, we're one of the... But anyway, I had to be like, oh, yeah, fields. my dad narrates the audio tour if you want to take it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, that's real weird. All right. <laughs> uh, enough, about, enough about that. Uh, let's move on to some untapped. Get riggedy, riggedy, And that also came up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> New season of Rick and Morty. So good. So good. If you oh, have the means. Man. If you have the means. <laughs> Which means uh, we don't have cable. <laughs> yeah, so you have to buy it. Yeah, we just, just gave up and bought season. it. <laughs> season pass. Uh, anyway, I uh, got some untapped badges. So let's start with uh, the La Palma mm-hmm. Fear Trail. I did this to you. La, la, la Palma. <laughs> anyway, get ready to hop onto the La Palma Fear Trail and enjoy some of the best beer, Anaheim, and here we go. Placentia? <laughs> I was going to say, I was, I was going to, that's not the name. <laughs> Placentia. Placentia. Either way. <laughs> I was going to say, our, uh, some that's of awful. our. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my God. It's just like the Night Attack episode. Sorry. So some of our LA listeners were definitely going to be getting a kick out of that. Yeah. That's horrendous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's someone stopping going, you dumb mother. Anyway, I, I with a slew care. of great breweries and a six mile of La Palma Boulevard, you're, Boulevard, you're you definitely won't be disappointed. Seven of these breweries have teamed up to create the La Palma Beer Trail event, during which seven new session beers will be available. Cool off on the La Palma Beer Trail from August 25th to September 4th. It's already right, going to be done. I've done it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, if this is out by Monday, then uh, yes. you got it. You can do this. I believe in you. You just have to check into any beer from each of the seven participating breweries listed, between, uh, listed below, and the badge will be yours. If you're listening to the after than that, sorry. This will be posted uh, early Monday. <laughs> sorry, guys. That's, that's my bad again. Uh, Asylum Brewing, uh, Bottle Logic, 
uh, brewery, brewery Thoreau, True. Paparazzi. Hmm? Oh, no, what's one of the side jags from the brewery? Oh, yeah. Uh, Hopperazzi Brewing, Stereo Brewing, All-American Ale Works, and Phantom Ales. Uh, they also have a nice handy map on the site, so you can find the trail. Handy daddy? Nope. And I, I'm sorry, I don't care about like the mispronunciation of city names anymore after the Kentucky shit that we've had to go back and forth on. Like, I just... You go... Yeah, okay, I'm probably saying the name of the California city wrong. They're going to say Louisville. We're going to say, you're wrong, even though you're correct. No. <laughs> because it's Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. And then there someone's least... going to say Versailles, and then us as Kentuckians go, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, Except, it's, it's just you a... know, it's not, that said, we're just mispronouncing something. We didn't name a thing placenta. <laughs> Fair. Placentia. It means pleasant place to live. <laughs> is it? No, it <laughs> means afterbirth. I mean, that is what a placenta is for about nine months. And then... <laughs> Just saying okay. we all have our little things, that's all. Well, we've all missed that chance. All right. So what's something, what's a What's a badge we can still get? Hmm. So uh, from 9-1 to 9-30, so the rest of September, you can check into One Mosaic Promise from Founders Brewing Company and get the, that's the Art of Aroma badge. <laughs> you can find it in draft, 15-pack cans and six-pack bottles near you using the Founders mobile app. Forgetting about uh, Mosaic app. Promise puts together your Mosaic Hop and Golden Promise Malts. Um, the focus is directly on the Mosaic Hop, however, showcasing a burst of citrusy aroma, followed by an equally refreshing and bright hop-forward flavor. I don't remember what this beer tastes like. I think it's really floral, was the way it always came across to me. Last year, the label was yellow. This year, it's purple. I don't remember being a fan of Maybe it. Maybe the flavor has changed from yellow to purple now. <laughs> like the most Indeed. high thing you can say. <laughs> this tastes more it really purple. Tastes purple, man. Although I've said that of like bananas, like this tastes too green, which everybody knows what I mean. That makes but it, sense. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you understand it, but it's still like really weird. So um, you know, the other most high thing you can say is hands. They can touch <laughs> everything but themselves. <laughs> oh. But I, I don't remember being a huge fan of this beer for some reason. But I don't. But now I can't recall how it actually tastes. Um, I, as far as the founders, like weird, like hop stuff that they put out, my the Azaka is still just the best to me. Azaka. Azaka. <laughs> nice. So yeah, no, I love the Azaka. And speaking of founders, um, I think we've we shared the story. They're going to be bottling the Canadian breakfast stout. Oh, yeah. It's part of the Barrel Age series this year. Oh. Gotta get some of that. Oh, oh Canada. <laughs> this oh. isn't nerdtacular. I know. Oh, God, I want a clip of that just to play somewhere. All right. But what is it the season for? Uh, right. Yes. Uh, it's the season for Fallen for Pumpkin. Or Punkin. Sorry. Punkin. Duh. They've been sued several times. And no, it is Punkin. Mm, right. It's, it's Punkin. Like the name of my... my <laughs> never mind. Being personal. <laughs> so where, are you, where are you going with that? Uh, uh, going to a drug dealer, but let's just. Oh, I thought you were. Okay. Uh, so let's not explain that anymore. <laughs> Brewed for the first time six months before Dogfish had even opened their doors, Pumpkin Ale started its life as an entry to fall to a fall recipe contest as the 1994 Pumpkin Chunkin Contest. I want to go to that one year. Anyway, made with real pumpkin meat, brown sugar, and a slew of spices. 
it's no surprise pumpkin ale took its took first place since listen debut, here pumpkin you and i have a different de- definition of what meat is <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, pumpkin ale has been brewed each year and every fall. As the season cools, it's the perfect beer to warm up with. Check into one pumpkin ale from Dogfish Head during the month of September, and you'll unlock the Fallen for Pumpkin badge. Um, mm. That's actually a really pretty like little badge thing with cinnamon and whatnot with it. <laughs> oh, really? The cinnamon and a pumpkin? And that's all oh, it takes for me, Bob. Orange. Uh, I was like, Brittany, I'm shocked that you enjoy this. Dude, we've had we've had the fall decorations up since before September happened. It's we've already had the October fall decorations fest. up since like June. There are giant. I like, would have. There I are giant have. beer banners hanging up in here. We've and... got the Octo- like you, well, you guys might be able to see it in the video, but like we've got the Oktoberfest thing on the on the door, and like the the fall decorations. We just bought a new Yankee candle. <laughs> like everything's set. So yeah. All right, with everything set. What's the topic? It's been up that truck. Cheeky bastards. Been up that truck. Been up that truck. You're not that drunk. It's super I nature. don't know about that. It's How about time. you, Casey? I haven't even, I can't get past the smell of this stuff. <laughs> oh. So you guys oh, are I drinking I haven't taken the first drink. Oh, okay. Just uh, me then. Oh my. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> oh my. A, we're not a hundred percent drinking the style and like i'm already there anyway uh jumping ahead we looked we wanted to use a ladies man clip it, for our intro there's no but good ones it, it, well okay there are good ones the, no there are plenty it's, of good ones appropriate i guess but they're all about doing it in the butt <laughs> <laughs> or about about tuna fish sandwiches no it's just fish sandwiches. yeah hey that sweet oh. thing can i get you a fifth sandwich <laughs> So you don't want the fifth sandwich. Um, indeed. So anyway. <laughs> With your dad a meat burglar? Because it looks like somebody stole two fine hams and shoved them down the back of your dress. Oh my God. Have you ever been down the Yellow River? Yeah, <laughs> once in college. I did not enjoy it. Yeah, once in the 80s, but I did not enjoy it. Good Lord. Mr. Anyway. Phelps, have you ever assumed a missionary position? <laughs> All right, so let me tell you about the time of me and this girl, and then her mom walks in. and <laughs> Okay. Anyways, our topic today is Is the ladies, man. (laughs) Underrated movie. Leon Phelps. So Brandy. (laughs) uh, Brandy from Brandywine, derived from the Dutch... Oh, God. Brandwin? Brandwin. Yeah, that one. Uh, Which means burned wine, which is great. Uh, Is a spirit produced by distilling wine. Just saying, some drunk... French, Dutch, whatever, just was like, hey, how about we distill this already alcoholic stuff? <laughs> I mean, they came up with a good idea, it seems. To make it super drunk juice. <laughs> uh, brandy generally contains 35 to 60% ABV, which is 70 to 120 US proof, and is typically taken as an after dinner drink, which we just got finished watching The Adams Family, and he's like, how about a brandy? And then I'm just now that is just like a thing. Anyway, I just I just like started that up the other day, and I was gonna finish it after we got done recording. It's, a, oh, it's that one was of my a, favorite movies of all time. My drunken nap after we like gorged on raising canes. Yeah. Came back here and I was like, I need a nap. Just put it on. God, Adam's we are family. like we are slowly becoming the three of us the same person. It seems. <laughs> because... It's about right. 
some brandies are aged in wooden casks. Some are colored with caramel coloring to imitate the effect of aging, and others are produced using a combination of both aging and coloring. The term brandy also denotes liquors obtained from the wines of other fruits. Apples, cherries, plums, pears, and peaches have all been distilled into what are called fruit brandies, or that word. Uh, eau de vie. <laughs> eau de vie. Uh, pomace brandies? Mm-hmm. Brandy? Uh, made using grapes with their stems, skins, and seeds. It's also very common. There are many types of brandy found across the winemaking regions of the world. Among the most renowned are cognac and armagnac uh, from France, or pisco from Peru and Chile. Brandy is generally rated by age, but the ratings vary widely by country, generally unregulated in the U.S. Oh, wow. So for once, we are the... uh the wild west yeah yeah usually when it comes to alcohol we get crazy with stuff yeah. pretty pretty on it about making sure it's very regulated well <clears throat> yes and no like the whenever you you get a country where it's their big thing that's when you get the heavy regulation so with us our big thing is bourbon mm, yeah. so we say it can't be called bourbon unless it's made here in the u.s with theirs they say you know it can't be called probably can't be called cognac if it's not made well we'll get to that but right well and being from kentucky if you call it bourbon and you're not in kentucky then it's just horse piss <laughs> there you go even though not legally but yeah um the most common ratings for the brandy are um three star or vs which is very special a brandy aged for at least two years um three star or vs brandies are typically what are mixed into cocktails VSOP, which is very special old pale, is a brandy aged for at least four years. Uh, XO, which is extra old, a brandy aged six and a half years or more. And then Ordage, or vintage, is a brandy usually 10 years or older. Vintage brandies will have the year of harvest on the bottle, whereas the age of an Ordage brandy is unknown. Um, and then we got a little how to drink brandy. Older brandies are best enjoyed neat. Younger brandies thrive in a variety of cocktails. And brandy drinks range from the famous hot toddy, sidecar, um, pisco sour, to the more obscure, um, the brandy old fashioned, last resort, and the original Sazerac. Sazerac. So when they say obscure, those are the ones that I, that's really the only vehicle in which I ever take brandy is in something like that i've had the like okay everybody in america has seen like the e and j brandy <laughs> like and and that's what i've had before like my dad had that in the house you know and that that's the only brandy i've ever had i've never had uh, like cognac or anything i had some i had some cognacs after dinner hmm. usually pretty good i can't look at it <laughs> what he's got right now. We used to leave some cognac or cognac, some uh, E and J brandy out for Santa when our was it our That's second amazing. apartment? The first time we lived oh, when yeah, we lost our, we... ditched our roommate finally, and we would leave uh, E and J out for Santa every year, and he enjoyed it so much. One year he just demolished the whole bottle. Oh yeah, I that. see, I'm trying to remember if uh, like in like the that pilot brings... episode. Oh, go ahead. That brings up a whole lot of questions. <laughs> Sorry, Bob, but <laughs> Santa likes stopping by our place mm. when you're sick of milk and cookies. Cookies sometimes good cookies go well with brandy. It turns out. 
Anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the origins of brandy were tied to the development of distillation. While the process was known, uh, while the process was known in classical times, it wasn't used for significant beverage production until the 15th century. Initially, wine was distilled as a preservation method and a, as a way to make it easier for merchants to transport. Although it was thought that wine was originally distilled to lessen the tax that was assessed by volume, the intent was to add water uh, by removing uh, water removed by distillation back to the brandy short before consumption. It was discovered that after it had been stored in wooden casks, the result uh, resulting product had uh, improved the original distilled spirit. I think Casey adding, would argue against that. It was discovered that after having been stored in wooden casks, uh, the result. The resulting product had improved in the, uh, over the original distilled spirit. In addition, to removing the water, the distil- distillation process led to the formation uh, and decomposition of numerous aromatic compounds. Uh, fundamentally, <laughs> altering the composition of the distillate uh, from its source. Non-volatile substances such as pigments, sugars, and salts remained in the, uh, behind in the still. As a result, the taste was uh, usually very unlike that of the original source. I thought you had came upon a... Uh... A term, uh, like a chemical element, or you know, a chemical term or something. I got you. No, I just, I just heard you. Like I thought, I heard you make a sound, so I thought you were. I was probably gagging, trying <laughs> to smell this stuff. Have you tasted it yet? No. <laughs> get yourself, can't get past the smell. Just get yourself a fish sandwich, and it'll fish go down sandwich. easier. It's not too taste, early for one of those. Tastes better than it too than early it smells. For a fish it's not too early for a fish sandwich. Um. As described in the 1728 edition of the Cyclopedia, uh-huh. sorry, it, the way it's written maybe me want to say it that way, but uh, Cyclopedia, the uh, following method was used to distill brandy. All right. I'm sorry. Cursor bit. Uh, that was half filled with liquor uh, from which brandy was to be drawn. Oh, pardon. And then raised uh, with a little fire until uh, about one sixth part was distilled, or until that which falls into the receiver was entirely flammable. <laughs> Obviously. Well, all right. Uh, this liquor, distilled only once, uh, was called the spirit of wine or brandy. Purified by another distillation or several more, this was then called the spirit of the wine. Wine uh, rectified. The second distillation was made into Balneo Maria. Maria. That looks right. Probably Maria. Sounds close yeah. to right. Uh, in a glass. That word again. The only thing that I'm, I can say is that it's shaped like a gourd. Okay. But that doesn't tell me how it's pronounced. So uh, <laughs> I'm going with cucurbit. Cucurbit. Uh, no, cucurbit. Uh, whatever. I th- it may be cucurbit because it's it's in the same family as it. Whenever you search the term, it comes up with cucumbers. Oh. Hmm. Uh, the liquor was distilled to about one half the quantity this was further rectified along as long as the operator thought necessary to produce brandy uh, to shorten these distillations which were long and troublesome a chemical instrument was invented that uh, reduced them to a single distillation to test the purity of the rectified spirit of wine a portion was ignited if the entire contents were consumed by a fire without leaving any impurities behind then the liquor was good <laughs> another better test involved putting a little bit of gunpowder in the bottom of the spirit better <laughs> Uh, if the gunpowder would ignite after the spirit was consumed by fire, then the liquor was good. Cucurbit. Uh, Cucurbit. Okay. Uh, the gourd shaped mostly... portion of a alembic, a vessel formerly used in distilling. Okay. 
Most brandies have been distilled from grapes. Uh, the region of the world producing uh, excellent brandies, uh, regions of the world producing excellent brandies, have awfully parallel to the areas uh, producing grapes for uh, viniculture. At the end of the 19th century, the West- Western European markets, including by extension their overseas empires, because they just sailed around the world, put a flag in, were dominated <laughs> by the French and Spanish brandies, and the Eastern Europe was dominated. Uh, dominated by brandies from the uh, from the Black Sea region, including Bulgaria, the Crimea, and Georgia. In 1884, David Sarajivishili... Sorry, they're not going to work here anymore. Yeah. ...was founded by his brandy factory in Tbilisi, Georgia, a crossroads for Turkish, Central Asian, and Persian trade routes, and part of the Russian Empire at the time. Armenian and Georgia, uh, Georgian, Georgian brandies called cognacs in the era were considered some of the best in the world and often beat their French uh, competitors in international ex- uh, expositions in Paris and Brussels in the early 1900s. Hmm. During the October Revolution of 1917, upon the storming of the Winter Palace, the Bolshevik Revolutionary Army actually paused for a week so that the participants could uh, participants gorge on the substance uh, substantial stores of cognac and wines. Well, yeah, that I love that. That, that kind of after <laughs> reading about war that, for a second, just so we can drink. <laughs> because that has happened a few times in uprising and wars, and that was leading me to think about hmm, maybe that's another episode idea. Mm-hmm. The Russian market was always a huge brandy-consuming region uh, in which homegrown varieties were common, but much of it was imported. The patterns of bottles that uh, flowed that, that followed uh, that of Western European norm. Uh, though the Soviet through this, throughout the Soviet era, the production of brandy was a source of pride for the communist regime as they continued to produce some excellent varieties, especially uh, the most famous Jubilee brandies of 1967, uh, 1977, and 1987. So there. You know, that makes that ties back more now to the Adams family thing because they do the mamushka, which is a Russian dance, yep. and he's the one who's like, yeah. and now a brandy. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, this all ties together in my head. So the Adams family <laughs> are extremely Russian. Is that, is that what Probably, we come to? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's dive into types, and there are a few. <laughs> so uh, let's start off with the most famous, cognac. Here we have the Grande Dame of Brandes. <laughs> against which all others are measured. Cognac is both a type of brandy and the region in France that produces it. It's an aged, grape-based brandy that usually comes with a tremendous depth of flavor. Uh, Younger Younger cognacs often present light, fruity oak notes with older ones blooming into lots of dried fruit and spice. That's kind of where I like to be on that, but again, I'm not huge on brandy. Uh, cognac is usually bottled at 80 proof, 40% ABV. Oh. By law, you can't make cognac outside of cognac. Hmm. So it kind of follows with other spirits. And even inside cognac, you must use specific grapes and follow specific aging restrictions. Most cognac contains a blend of brandies and is labeled according to the period of time the youngest brandy of the bunch has spent aging in oak cast. So they're generally following the whiskey rule there. Uh, in general, the average age of the blend is much older than that of the youngest brandy, with many XOs. Are, are they getting us something else? Zos? 
That, that's the, ex- that, that's the, the thing we talked about earlier, the oh, extremely yeah. old ones. Yeah, extremely old, easily reaching an average age of 20 years. Woo. Woo. Uh, so when it comes to cognac, some of the brands to try are uh, the Cavassier, Hennessy, <laughs> Remy Martin, Hein. These are really these like... These are the ones we've heard of. You these know? are the you, you, are, you are knowing these. We should have these. grabbed a sound clip of John Ralphio asking people if they wanted Remy Martin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, Martel. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, Armagnac. Armagnac. <laughs> it's hard to not do these it's with like some required. kind of accent. Yeah, you just read it. That's how it feels. It feels right. Armagnac. Uh, a little harder to find than cognac. Armagnac is nonetheless available at most quality liquor stores. Like cognac, it's named after the region of France, which produces it. Hmm. And only brandies made there can legally be called Armagnacs. <laughs> In fairness, I don't think anyone's really that creative when it comes to naming which region (laughs) stuff is. We're going to call this champagne. Where do you guys make it? Champagne. Champagne. We're going to call this bourbon. Where's it made? Bourbon County. Bourbon (laughs) County. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Fruitier than its cousin. Uh, Early on, due to a different distilling process, Armagnac transitions into caramel and toffee notes as it ages and takes on more character from the wood. Armagnac is usually bottled 92 to 96 proof or 46 to 48% ABV. So, Casey, that may have been the route you needed to go. (laughs) That sounds tastier, just from the description. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Also, like cognac, Armagnac must adhere to certain labeling requirements with the classification built on the age of the youngest brandy in the blend. Armagnacs designated by the year of their bottling are common, and you can find many a liquor store in France with a wide selection reaching back 50 years or more. Ooh. Sorry, now all I'm thinking of is in the year of our bottle. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that going to be our new like prayer to liquor? In the year of our bottle. Okay. Uh, brands to try. Oh, Someone help me with this. I just got like a church uh, scene. Let's see. Castorade? Castorade. Castorade. Here, this is like French. Let's let's Google translate this crap. Google. Maybe it's French. Maybe it's Spanish. It does look like. Serbois, Boss, Simpe, Delord, and Castorade. Yeah, what Casey said. Castorade. That is not how you say that. Why should I say Castorator? Play that again. Hold on. Castared. Oh, there we go. Castared. Okay. Castared. Castared. Okay. Castared. Castared. Castahead. All right. So, and what's going on? Sempe and Delord. Yeah. So, what we are used to here American brandy. American brandy, like American wine, suffered from a bad rap for a long time. Well past the time, in fact, when it had actually gotten good. No more! People now know that you can get some amazing wines from California, Oregon, and other parts of the U.S., and some of those wines are being distilled and aged in oak, just like their French cousins. Uh, The flavor profile of American brandy is usually similar to that of cognac, though because of the Americans... Because the Americans are free to use wide, wider variety of grapes, there are a broad range of possibilities, like cognac. Sorry, I'm just now trying to think of like what what French uh, or what French uh, uh, head of state gets killed at our French cousin. 
Like Cognac, American brandies often use the VS, VSOP, and XO classification to denote the age and quality of the liquor within. Although, unlike Cognac and Armagnac, those designations are not legally enforced because American brandies are, shall we say, not always quite so refined as their French cousins. What What are you trying to say here, article? <laughs> that you have these brandies with a cheeseburger. I, now, what you trying to say? Oh, I want a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> Are you high? <laughs> oh, I want a cheeseburger. No, but I'm really like buzzed right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, I recommend good episode. <laughs> yeah, I recommend VSOP <laughs> or better. Uh, the good news: American brandy is often a fraction of the price of cognac or Armagnac. and in fact, finding any other oak-aged liquor at these prices, whiskey or brandy or otherwise, is almost impossible. Uh, E&J XO, for example, is a terrific brandy that's on par with many VSOP cognacs uh, and can be had for about $15 at many yeah. quality liquor stores. And I'm just a- saying I went the American route because it was like $11. That's uh, The E&J XO is, in fact, what Santa Claus had for many years coming by. <laughs> that's the place. one that you find. That's when you see that bottle, you're like, oh, that's brandy. <laughs> Just that lay, yeah. You see that, and you see the old Forrester label when it comes to bourbon, and you're like, "Oh no, I've seen that everywhere." Yeah. Uh, brands to try: E and J, uh, Paul Mason, uh, Christian Brothers, and Corbell. Corbell. Thank Corbell. Corbell. Oh Jesus! I don't know how to say this. Yerez. Yerez. Is it Yerez? Say it with a Y. Yerez. Brandy de Yerez. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah, Spanish. R- roll that R. Roll that R. I have to roll my R's. That's why I can't learn Finnish that well. Brandy I can't roll Brandy R's on command. I can only Yerez. do it by accident. Brandy de ooh, ooh, Yerez. I said it. Sorry. Spanish brandy, like Spanish wine, both normal and fortified, is often overlooked. You just don't hear as much about brandy. <laughs> brandy de Yerez. He was doing red, red wine. Oh, geez. I was like, yeah, just like, Spain, Spain, wine. <laughs> so uh, because the Spanish brandy-making tradition is robust and produces some unique entries, many with subtle flavors of nuts and dried fruit. You may have heard of Yerez before. It's the region of Spain responsible for giving sherry, a fortified wine similar to port, its name. Brandy de Yerez is more is made using many of the same grapes and techniques that produce sherry, including the Solera technique, in which older liquids are blended continuously with newer batches to create the final product. It's a So Solera is used in some beer making, too. It's pretty cool. You <laughs> actually, if you pull out, you know, say you were taking a bourbon barrel and doing it the same way, you pull out half the bourbon or pull out a third of the bourbon and then put a third fresh liquid back in to top it off. Oh, okay. So it's continuously mixing. That would be interesting. What would you do with the part that you pulled out? That you would bottle it. Oh. oh. I think it's a drinking um. party. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> like other brandies, Brandy de Yerez has a classification system. Solera has an average age of one year and is light and fruity. Solera. That is like one of the shortest times I've heard for a for an age. Yeah. yeah. Um, Solera Reserv. Reserva has an age of three years and displays more oak characteristics. Solera Gran Reserva Reserva has an average age of 10 years and brings lots of dried fruits, roasted nuts, and other notes traditional in liquors long aged in oak. 
That would actually be delicious. Like, I need to find that. Um, brands to try. <sighs> okay. Lusitania. <laughs> uh Gonzalez Baez, and Magno. I don't know. All right, so here's what I'm reading. It's totally Lusitania, Gonzalez Bypass, and, man- and Mango. 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 That's not how you say it at all. Um, nope. no, no one yeah. else getting the SNL there? Mango. Mango. <laughs> Chris Catan dancing. Oh, Mango. Calvados. Calvados. <laughs> Moving on. Is a, is a delicious French brandy, brandy distilled from fresh apples. Ooh. It has a significant apple scent, but in flavor is delicate. When with apple notes that combine very well with the traditional wood and caramel flavors that come from oak aging. It's produced in the lower part of the Normandy region in the north of the country and is its production dates back to at least the mid 16th century to qualify as Calvados rather than Udive, The distillate must be aged in Oak for a minimum of two years, much like seemingly everything else in France. There are many laws dictating exactly how Calvados uh, can be labeled. In addition to certain location designations, Cavados uses age indicators to sim- similar to Cognac and Arbignac. Uh, the age on the bottle refers to the youngest brandy in the blend. Brands to try could be Darren, Bushnell, Bus- no, Bussnell, Chateau du uh, Breu, Bre- Breuil, Bre- and Boulard. We really should have then, had Google Translate queued up for all this. <laughs> you come to a uh, Applejack, an apple brandy. Um, wait, wait, wait. You mean my breakfast could have been alcoholic? Close. <laughs> it, well, it's where it gets its name. Um, this is Calvados, Wild's unref- wild and unrefined American cousin. Originally <laughs> Look out, Lincoln! <laughs> by repeating free, repeatedly freezing hard apple cider and skimming the ice off the top, thus slowly de- increasing the alcohol content, and it's now mostly distilled and stored in the same manner as Calvados. Um, so freeze distilling is something that you could do at home, even though it's illegal. And I highly do- recommend against it because what happens with normal distillation is you're able to separate the methanol from uh, the alcohol. With freeze distilling, you can get alcohols up to pretty high, 30%. It's not unheard of, 35%, even higher um, alcohol content if you got a freeze that's cold enough but you concentrate the methanol hmm. so there there's a lot of heavy hangovers that come from making apple jack at home oh dear uh, okay yeah and and potentially the blinding effects could come in oh god <laughs> yeah so that's that's where the the whole moonshine makes you blind yeah sort okay. of the it's the methanol that has the the horrible effects and actually makes it a little harsher. Um, these uh, apple brandies and apple jacks in particular have a heartier apple flavor than French entries and are a little rougher around the edges, owing in part to the fact that there's no clear-cut grading system established. But don't let that frighten you, though. Apple jack is inexpensive and delicious, and so many American apple brandies are just as fine as Calvados. Um, you could try Laird's. Clear Creek or Orchard Hill. I've actually seen I've that. Heard much of, yeah, I've heard of more country-sounding names than yeah, yeah, others. Don't let uh, the, blindness frighten you away. <laughs> well, if if they do traditional, the the freeze distilling is the the bad part. Yeah, um, or any reputable distiller would be able to to get the methanol out with normal distilling. Um, 
Pisco is an American or South American pomace brandy made in Chile and Peru that is often clear and occasionally light yellow. As many varieties of grapes can be used in its production, and as the two countries that produce it have very different methods of doing so, Pisco has a wide range of flavors. Though the majority of them have used fresh grape scents or have fresh grape scents at the forefront. Peruvian Pisco is aged for as little as three months in chemically inert vessels like glass or metal. Um, and so it has one, none of the flavors that are associated with oak aging. It cannot contain additives of any kind, and it's bottled at distillation strength without dilution. Wow. So this will oh. get you drunk. <laughs> at its base, Peruvian Pisco resembles strong, slightly grape-scented vodka. However, some methods of creation are specifically designed to retain more flavors from the fermenting grape mash, giving the alcohol much more character. Technically, I think the word should be grape must instead of mash. Mm. Um, but whoever the, the, we pulled this from, yeah. I don't know. Um, Chilean Pisco is aged in oak and can be diluted, diluted to various strengths before bottling. At the lower end of the spectrum, Chilean Pisco re resembles low-strength white rum, but the older and higher alcohol variants have a great deal of flavor. The longer it's aged, the more the wood flavor picks up, of course, with long-age variants coming in to resemble French and American brandies, albeit with a much stronger grape flavor due to the use of grape must in the distillation. Ah, there they did it. They, must, they did yeah. it appropriately in that end. Pisco portion, uh, or probably portion, 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 probably. Portion. Yeah. Um, Machu Pisco. Uh, oh, I yeah. see what nice. they did there. Yeah. Control C and Cape are all brands you could try. And then finally, we come to Odeve. I think that's a. Capel. I think that's a oh, a, the last one, the, the yeah. highlighting, yeah. Uh, Odeve. That or, the, um, that or it's an exclamation point. It's really excited about Cape. <laughs> oh, Capel. Okay, yeah, I couldn't see it with the highlight. Gotcha. Um, if you start with the fruit as its base, distill it, and bottle, the result would be with uh, the result without aging in a wood for any extended period would be eau de vie. These typically clear, but sometimes a little bit colored liquid resembles vodka with subtle fruit notes and are often served chilled in small glasses as digestifs. Common fruits used in making eau de vie include pears, apples, plums, and peaches, but other fruits may also show up. In Germany, this type of liquor is usually called a schnapp. <laughs> but don't confuse that with the syrupy, sweet, heavily flavored stuff that gets labeled schnapps in America. They're effectively unrelated. German schnapps, like all other eau de vies, are sugarless, high-proof liquors like the rest of brandies on this list. Huh. They will kill you. Um, <laughs> Clear Creek, Hava Spirit, and a dozen of other European brands are all eau de vies. So basically, I think the theme is like for brandies, yeah, you can get some American brandies that are good, but for the most part, the imports are probably where you want to go. Like stuff from Europe. Maybe, but the American ones are, are cheap. Yes. <laughs> if cheap you're on a budget. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. This is not actually that bad, this American one that I've got. It's... Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you're on a budget, get some American brandies. But like, I think if you really want to try some variety, you'd have to go for the stuff from Europe. Or just don't. <laughs> or as Casey would say, your experience may vary. Yeah. I think there's no better segue. Uh, let's get into and, what we're drinking. Yeah, let's talk about what we're drinking. Drink with me, friend. 
So, so Miss Stingy, who's like, oh, let's split. Let's split a bottle over here. And I was like, oh, I'll drink one first. And then you I'll said come you in. were going to drink your own. No, I was still down to split. And then she takes, like, one of the most coveted beers we've been hanging on to. That's why I'm buzzed. And just, like, pounds it down. I'm sorry. It's almost gone. Because um, <laughs> I buy everything in twos. Because if I really like it, I want to hold on to it. And from our uh, one of our end-of-year episodes last year, we did that big uh, prairie episode and we held on to one this is why i'm buzzed right now um it's really good <laughs> what's it called it's probably the most coveted beer that i had been holding on to i'm sorry damn and she just drank it all like she's like no it's mine <laughs> well don't hold us in suspense what was it <laughs> so it's the prairie apple brandy noir from prairie artisan ales mm-hmm. it's so good um <laughs> It's uh, an American double slash imperial stout, 12% ABV, which explains why I'm like this right now. The beer advocate score is 98, and I couldn't find any freaking brewery descriptions, so I just, it's an imperial oatmeal stout aged in apple brandy barrels. So it kind of is sort of to style. (laughs) Kind of sort of delicious. Yeah, but it's no, it's freaking delicious. But I wouldn't know. Oh, whatever. You had it. You've had it before. Shut up. So would you. <laughs> All right. Before, before we have a domestic, I want to go ahead and talk about what I'm drinking. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so I grabbed some uh, Paul Masson's uh, Grande Amber Brandy. Oh, it's actually Grande a brand Amber Brandy. Yeah. Uh, it's actually been pretty good. It's uh, from Paul Masson. Uh, it's uh, 40% ABV, about 80 proof. Hmm. And uh, they have a description on the bottle that I'll try to read some of. Created in the European tradition, Paul Masson's uh, Grand Amber is an American premier brandy aged in handcrafted oak barrels. Uh, it's rich color, intriguing fragrance, and smooth, uh, smoother, more sophisticated flavor adds richness to the very best of times. It does have a VS logo yeah. on there. So oh. Allegedly, right. it's very smooth. Hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's It's... It's a sipping drink. It's you know, <laughs> but it's not drink drunk. You're not you're not taking shots of that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. It's it's still pretty good. I did not, in fact, fill up my little uh, IPA glass full of uh, full of brandy, but uh, considered it. Don't you lie to us. <laughs> That's that is one thing though. We didn't talk about the brandy snifter. Oh, yeah. yeah, I couldn't find a snifter, so I just used a. Uh... You mean you didn't get like a comically large snifter? <laughs> Again, making me think of the Adams like family. Like the fishbowl <laughs> sized ones. No, all I have is my little. <laughs> like the wine glass, basically. Yeah. I mean, I think just... the wine glass would be fine, or just a beer snifter yeah. or whatever, but yeah, well, the... a... I think that if you get, honestly, like the whiskey um, snifter, it would be perfect for most of these. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I well, they're very that. aromatic usually. So yeah, yeah, uh, maybe maybe to their detriment in Casey. <laughs> oh, pardon, Casey's case. <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead and go. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's fine. Tell I went with the Hennessy, uh, very special cognac. Oh, the Hennessy. Forty so, percent uh, ABV, and by the time I got it to where it was drinkable, it's probably closer to twenty percent because I added a lot of water to it. <laughs> oh. Ouch. And still only got about three sips in. Oh my gosh! Casey, so I, I tap out. Casey, not a brandy man. Okay, Hennessy. Hennessy, no, not had, his drink. Not for Hennessy. Not Hennessy. 
Yeah. I've that seen Casey be... drink brandy before. Yeah. It, it was what was in my liquor cabinet. I, if I have brandy, it's usually in a mixed drink. I usually don't drink brandy straight. Mm. And if I do, it's because I've already been drinking something else. And where I've not drank anything yet today, this yeah. is extremely potent. Mm. Yeah, this is an end of the end of the, the, the evening kind of you know. Yeah, after dinner brandy. Well, yeah, that's so as we mentioned at the top, it's an after dinner drink. <laughs> it's a pre running to McDonald's for cheeseburgers drink. <laughs> yeah, we. I've, I've had a few after dinner brandies before, you know, having been out to eat and you've been drinking the whole time. It makes it a little easier, but uh, yeah, no, I keep forgetting, like, oh, yeah, no, that's. Those are a bit stout. Uh, <laughs> those are not messing around. <clears throat> yeah. So, okay, uh, I am also skirting the rules a little bit and having a brandy barrel-aged beer. I am drinking Bettelschnickel from Triple Digit, which is the uh, high-gravity end of um, Listerman Listerman Brewing Company that we've talked about extensively. And this beer has been very good. Uh, It falls in the same vein of of what Brittany was drinking. Uh, so Bell Snickle is an ale brewed with ginger, chocolate, allspice, and orange peel and aged in bourbon and brandy barrels. I always have to stop when I hear allspice and remind myself that he didn't just hear Old Spice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I had to look it up. Um, you, you're not going to get much of a score of this from anywhere because... Yeah, it's pretty rare. Hell, I've, I'm going to the brewery every other weekend. I've never seen this beer. But uh, we stumbled across at Jungle Gems. It's a 12.5% blend of brandy and bourbon barrel uh, aged beers with chocolate, nutmeg, allspice, and ginger. It's kind of like Santa, but dirty. <laughs> Literally in the description. Yeah. The, uh, uh, so it's uh, it's it's Billy Bob Thornton? I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this one's a 12.5% ABV dark ale. Uh not applicable on the uh, IBUs. A little nice little NA. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no IBU. Doesn't exist. I liked it. Uh, very nice. I believe Santa would have appreciated that uh, I, more. The thing is, like, I don't. It's odd how. Well, not odd, I guess. I don't know. It's just. It's a thing to think about, like, how many beers you don't see that have anything to do with brandy. I mean, most of the beers that you see that are aged in some kind of barrel are. It's just bourbon barrels. Well, every um, now and then you see the rum barrel, but for the most part, it's bourbon. Deschutes, kind of, for years, they've been doing the Abyss in bourbon and brandy barrels. Because mm. if you look at the the Abyss labels, I think they're it's the mix is what it's probably like twenty to thirty percent of it is from uh, brandy barrel aged. Hmm. I don't think I really. So it's out that. there, but a lot of times you're getting it when beers mixed with bourbon. Yes, so that was an cool. interesting. I, like, I learned a lot about brandy in this one, honestly. Oh yeah, I knew yeah. little to nothing about. All I knew was basically it's distilled wine. Yeah, like I, yep. I, I didn't even know the cognac stuff, honestly. For some reason. For some reason, like in my head, I always thought that cognac was like a type of whiskey or something. Which nope, I don't know you why. Just think of that because they're brown. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, the coloring is racist. very. <laughs> I racist my liquors, I guess. Licorist. So. <laughs> Yes. So, is that about it? Thank you. Uh, yeah, so. like, that was, was brandy. A, it was an interesting episode. Like I actually learned some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Let me put out a plug for the the YouTube link that I sent you all. Hmm. Oh yeah, um, go for it. 
it's it's a new YouTube channel that I just kind of stumbled upon on the Reddit beer Reddit today, but it's called Turning Craft, and they've already got two episodes <laughs> out. But if you want to see what Braxton looks like, if you want to check out what what's going on inside of Braxton and a lot of these breweries that Brittany and Chris and and <laughs> Justin and myself talk about all the time. Go to their episode two because it's shot in Cincinnati, Kentucky, Cincinnati side. Those are the, the breweries that they talk about all the time. And yeah. so you can kind of check out and see. It's a really well videoed. Audio is a little hit and miss, but uh, the video is really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can check that out. They just, I guess, Google turning craft on um, on YouTube. It's basically just a show that's dedicated to trying to turn people from macro beer to craft beer. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, right. they shot a portion of it inside uh, Jungle Jim's oh, yeah, secondary yeah. location. Yeah. In the bathroom? No, 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 not <laughs> in their legendary enough. bathrooms. Oh, okay. Well, Casey, if we wanted to find other resources, where would you go? <laughs> sure. You can go and subscribe and get some other great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at haveadrinkshow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And please rate the show on iTunes and YouTube. Thumbs up to help spread the word. And don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. Uh, you can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com, or you can use the uh, feedback page on the website. Yeah, uh, do that and let us know about your favorite uh, favorite beverage in the theme of this episode, hmm. considering there weren't very many favorable reviews coming out <laughs> from this side of things. Mine was fine. It's like middle of the road. Yeah. yeah. All joking fun aside, though, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Uber and Lyft, not that cheap. And hey, when you're not blackout drunk, it's not, not that cheap. Not that you're not, not that expensive. Oh. Well, yeah. Some. Well, it depends. Depends on how far you're going. But you know what? You know what's a lot more expensive? Funerals. Indeed. It, yes. No, I just Jail suddenly time. remembered I it know. popped in my head for uh, Eric. He was like, no, the last time I went to use one, it was going to be like $75. He was like, ha, I'll drive. Uh, okay, uh, check us out next Sunday for our next live video episode. And then in another couple of weeks for the next audio episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.